Spill it out. Watching Joe Rogan interview Bob Lazar. <laughs> do you know anything about him? I do now. Yeah, right? It's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. You just want to get into it? Yeah. Um, you're, you're probably going to have to handle most of it because, I, you know. Did. There's I've a lot been... of information. Hold on. We're, then we're just going to get right now. <clears throat> Welcome to the podcast that explores mysterious disappearances, bizarre worldly occurrences, strange phenomenon, and basically everything that's weird. All right, welcome to the podcast. Everything that's weird. We're your hosts, Anthony and Brandon, and tonight we are talking about one of my favorite subjects ever. Bob Lazar. Oh, Bobby. <laughs> so, before we get into it, something that's more amazing than somebody that's worked on a flying saucer are these things called Damprid. Do you know what that is? I don't. Okay, listen, man. It's really humid here. Yeah. And like mold, mold is an issue. Okay. So like they have these things called Damprid. It's a hanger that has a bag of crystals. And under the bag of crystals is a clear bag. And the crystals pull all of the water out of the air and it drains into the bag. It blows my mind. Right now I'm looking at one of these. It's got like, I don't know, man, like a good pint of water. (laughs) And it just pulled it out of the air in our closet and we put them in there. They have no water in it. (laughs) These crystals pull all the dampness out of the closet and put it in that one bag. So like if you just took this bag and sprayed it all over everything mm-hmm. once every two weeks, that's how much water you would have <laughs> all over your clothes. It blows my mind. Everything that's weird now sponsored by Damp Red. <laughs> Pick it up at your local Kroger's. I wish. I wish. Right. Okay, so Bob Lazar. Yes. So you were you were unfamiliar with him until we started. Um, I mean, I you know it's one of those background noises. I had heard his name mentioned. My my wife likes to watch UFO stuff, so he's an intriguing guy. Yeah. So without like giving anything away, really, he's either the biggest liar. Or the best actor ever. Or right. he's telling the truth. Or he's the most interesting man on the planet. <laughs> exactly. Or that we know about. There's probably somebody that's done more than him, but like they're not in the public eye. Mm-hmm. So we'll do, we'll do the backstory for, for the most part, he grows up pretty normal. Yeah, he I is, guess. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> Who doesn't put a rock engine on their Honda when you're in right. high school? <laughs> or your bicycle. <laughs> it was Bobby when he put it on the bicycle. He became Bob when he put it on the car. Right. So he that is true, though. That is something that happened. But he has, like... He's not like a whiz kid. He graduates like bottom half of his class. Yep. Doesn't help his story. We'll get we'll get to all that. Okay. We'll get we'll get to all that. But he graduates from the bottom half of his class. He goes on to Pierce College. Mm-hmm. Um, he graduates from there. Uh, goes to. I'm just gonna say what he says, and yes, we'll right. address everything at the end. He attends. Pacifica University mm-hmm. where he gets a, a degree, like a correspondence degree and then uh, MIT where he gets a degree in electrical engineering. He then gets a job at Los Alamos Laboratory. Yeah. And it's there where he gets a little bit of notoriety. He gets some press for mm-hmm. racing his jet-powered Honda Civic. Yeah. Drove it to work. I wouldn't do What, are you going to let it sit in the garage? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to let my Ferrari sit in the garage. I'm right. driving it. So, this is this is where his story picks up, sort of. This is kind of like where he becomes this guy. Mm-hmm. He meets Edward Teller. Mm-hmm. And Edward Teller was one of the developers in the Manhattan Project. Yes. And he had seen his picture in the Los Alamos Monitor, which is the paper, the local paper. Right. And he, Edward Teller, sort of... Um, According to Bob Lazar, Edward Teller was... When he met him, when he first met him, Edward Teller was actually reading the local paper. He was looking at the front page, and Bob Lazar walked up to him and said, that's me. That's correct. That is how it happened. That's exactly how it happened. See, so this, so, okay, if you don't know anything about Bob Lazar, he has, he was one of the first major videos on YouTube. He, right. I've, so he came out and like, this story takes place. It starts in like 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of the first person to ever have hands-on experience with UFOs that isn't wearing like a tinfoil hat. Right. He's just kind of matter of fact about it. And the reason he's a matter of fact about it is because he isn't like abducted. He's hired by the government to reverse engineer an alien spaceship. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Edward Teller gets him uh, an interview with this company, EG&G. Now, EG&G stands for <laughs> Egerton, Germanshausen, and Greyer, an Italian engineering firm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but they're defense contractors and they're based in Nevada and it's there. They're on the cutting edge of all kinds of defense. Mm-hmm. So they 
they deal with rocket propulsion, they deal with missile, all kinds of defense stuff. They might do a little component. It, it could they could be part of a collaboration or they do their own project. So he gets hired by them. What he's hired for. They finally tell him you're gonna be a senior um physicist on a project that we're working on in the desert. So he says, okay, I, I don't know what that is, but all right. <laughs> he, they go through his clearance. They give him Q clearance. Now Q clearance is, it's 50 something levels above top secret. <laughs> right. That's also called majestic clearance. And the reason it's called majestic clearance is because after Roswell, supposedly and this is just out there I'm not saying I believe it I'm not saying it's fact I'm just saying this is what's out there there was a group called the Majestic 12 that was that was um, formed by Harry Truman and it was to take a look at the UFO thing really examine it examine craft that they had come across beings that we supposedly have Mm -hmm. um, and do a full investigation into the subject with regards to national security and what this means for us as humans on earth. Okay. Uh, Easy job. Easy job. No big deal. No big deal. Do you get lunch at that job? Do you think? Like you get pennies? (laughs) (laughs) So there was originally 12 guys. Well, of course, it's it's a much bigger project than that. Right. And um, it get they over the years would bring contractors in of all kinds of people and reverse engineer different parts of the spaceship. Now, one one thing right off the bat that people say is that we had this giant leap in technology right after World War II. And that is true. Mm-hmm. That That is true. Like, you know, we have integrated circuits. There's, mm-hmm. you know. War's all- fundamental. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Sorry. We're really- Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but we have, we have all this technology comes out of. Seemingly nowhere. Yeah. Where in like the 20s, you know, everything's very antiquated. There, you know, the whole idea of a computer is just that there's working machines, but they're not smart. And then in the 50s, we take on this whole other thing. Yeah. Well, people like Bob Lazar get hired to work on projects like this and they're called black projects so he gets hired and part of his commute he's to show up at McCarran Airport in Los so McCarran Airport is a decent size I mean it's decent size airport it's it's pretty big I've flown in there a couple times pretty cool slot machines in the middle (laughs) of the the terminal Um, but it is uh it is where he goes to check in for an airline called Janet Airlines. 
And a lot of people have the acronym, just another non-existent terminal for Janet Airlines. Right. So it is a real thing, though. It is a white plane with a red stripe, and UFO nuts have tracked it, and it takes off from McCarran, and it lands in the Papoose Lake Bed, which is where Area 51 is. So, as he says in his interviews uh, early on, uh, he did not work at Area 51 because the people that work at Area 51 don't have the clearance to work where he worked. And where he worked was a place called S4 mm-hmm. or Site 4, which 15 was... 15 miles south. Right. Of exactly. Area 51. Right. So they would put him on a bus and they would drive him for further into the desert. And he said he would come up and there was like a textured, sloped hangar. And that hangar had four or five doors, huge, huge doors. And they were textured to look like the side of the mountain. So you really couldn't see it. And he said that was probably for like satellites or whatever. But the one day he's pulling in um, because he had a few days of briefings. The one day he pulls in and he sees what is stereotypical of flying saucer. Like if you picture in your head what a flying saucer looks like just from memory, like Marvin the Martian on Looney Tunes, this is it. Right. Yep. Except for the American flag on it, he said. (laughs) Well, you got to claim it. Sorry. Right. Well, according to him, because of that, I think his first initial impression, if I'm not mistaken, was that this was an advanced um, fighter. So, so to him, it was hilarious because he's like, oh, this is what all the flying saucer sightings are. Right. And he, he full on thinks that this is, this is something designed by the U.S. Navy because he is paid yeah. by the Department of Naval Intelligence. And we'll get to that mm-hmm. in a second. Um, that is his actual employer. But he has nobody working underneath him. In fact, he has a boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a hostile work environment. He's not, it's not like an open share policy. He no. is meant to do one thing and one thing only. And his job is to figure out how to reverse engineer the propulsion system. So and the not reason- ask other people questions. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Right. Yeah. Which is hard. Like just, and he says this, but this approach to a, a scientific method is, it's impossible. Like you're talking, you know. Yeah, when you over compartmentalize something, then it's it's hard to get to the bottom of something if it if you're missing pieces to the puzzle. Well, the first part of the scientific method is to gather all the all the information that's out there about what you're trying to study, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes in. He's given this briefing. So on, I, now I did watch Joe Rogan on this. Yeah, I've 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 actually listened to a few podcasts about. I use I try not to do that. 
I, yeah. This is before we even had a podcast, and I love this subject. It's super interesting, and I always look for some some way that he's tripped up or something. And it but, is an interview, though. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, it's not. Weren't I think it, his uh, podcast moved more to a, uh, you know, it, it just didn't come off the same as the other other podcasts. This was more like right. A his was like a one on answer. exactly. Yeah. So he's given these briefings, and in these briefings, he says that there's a few things. One, that there's these, there's a few different kinds of aliens. The ones specifically for this ship are greys, and they are tiny aliens, three to four feet tall, that if you're going to, again, draw an alien, almondize that humanoid Roswell aliens that yeah they are yeah. Um, they come from the Zeta Reticuli system it's a binary star system mm-hmm. and he, now he did mention he found that out later because he had to look it up himself what, right and then that it was a binary star system and blah 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 so but he also said that and this is in the Joe Rogan podcast he believed the one that they found was in an archaeological dig, which that kind of blows my mind. Yeah, that's crazy, right? He says that when he goes in there, he's kind of like told why he's even there. And it's because they were trying, there was a group of scientists trying to figure out how this reactor worked, and they cut it open. Well, it's an antimatter reactor. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is it displaces gravity. And he explains that we know a lot about gravity. And you might say, well, yeah, we know everything. But it's true. We don't. Yeah. We don't understand completely why the moon goes around the Earth and is stuck in our orbit. Mm-hmm why certain things stick to the earth but then you know things in your body don't just fly off into space we it, the way he says the, the the way science sort of understands it is there may be like a subatomic level to gravity and it's very complex yeah um, I'm not smart enough no, me either, and I'm not going to pretend to be. I am not a physicist. I barely got through chemistry. Yeah, so. I didn't take it, so. <laughs> <laughs> Dodge that bullet. <laughs> but the way he says that this works. For the record, real quick. Yes. I haven't been asked to use chemistry ever, either. What Just about saying. when you made crystal meth? <laughs> I'm kidding. He, I, I, that's, that's, just, that's just a recipe, bro. <laughs> I can follow you know, directions. No, I, and I haven't either. Uh, I mean, I basic algebra sometimes, but even that's like, <laughs> nope, hardly ever. Still so, not using it. <laughs> Once they put letters in it, I was out, man. <laughs> so his. His explanation of how this thing works is that 
it distorts gravity in front of it. Mm-hmm. And it has, there's these three amplifiers and it can run <laughs> these, this is all what he says, an Omnicron configuration, which is where one amplifier runs. And that's where it's like stable or in a slow moving um, flight. And then um, Delta, which is all three, and they essentially focus on one point. It goes belly up and it flies to the belly. And what that does, he said, it's like having a bowling ball on one side of your bed. And if you step in the middle of the bed, the bowling ball rolls towards the middle of the bed. So you essentially distort time and gravity and space and fall downhill. And that's how these things travel. So does that make sense? I mean, well, now you explain it. That's how he explained it. That does make sense to me. So, but again, I'm not a physicist. I'm just saying in layman's terms. It's easy to hear. It's hard to. (laughs) exactly so he's working there and his wife thinks he's cheating on her so he says well listen there's these test flights on Wednesdays you know I really do work for this agency and I really am in the middle we'll go out and look so one of his friends is John Lear Mm -hmm. like Learjet and this guy he has a ridiculous amount of flight hours. It's, I think, I don't even know. I think it's 50,000 or something crazy. Mm, yeah. He's a test pilot. He's anything that can fly, he's flown. Right. He is a crazy UFO enthusiast. He completely believes that there's UFOs. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't know when he meets him, but it's all around this time. Yeah. He also, he also has a friend, Gene Huff. So, him, Gene, John Lear, and his wife go to the desert to go see this test flight. So when they're out there, they're watching this test flight, and he brings a camcorder and he's he films it. And mm-hmm. they, they do have film of it, but it's a shitty late 80s low quality camcorder, you know, with terrible resolution, and it just kind of looks like a, a light in the sky dancing around, which you know, that could be the way you're moving the camera. <laughs> or actually right. a light in the sky. There's really no frame of reference because it's dark. So they do that one night and they do it the second night. And the second night that they do it, um, they get arrested. Yeah. And when they get arrested, he is questioned at length. They really go after him. So he doesn't get his clearance revoked but what he does what does happen is they don't renew it not because of this security breach yeah this is crazy because his wife was (laughs) cheating on him with her flight instructor (laughs) and they thought he was a loose cannon (laughs) right (laughs) Am I in trouble for showing them the UFOs? No. No. But, but your hey, wife's buddy. a fucking pussy, <laughs> so you're fired. And we, we can't have that, buddy. We, we, we stick the guys that live in their mom's house. 
Um, so, yeah, so he's never asked to come back. Well, right around this time, he met with his boss, and he the they were supposed to meet at this hotel, like a hotel lobby. Yeah. And when he came there, he said that he thought he recognized a few security guys from the base. So he got wigged out and he left. And when he left, things started happening to him. He almost got ran off the road. He had a gun fired at him. And it was at this time that he met George Knapp. Yes. And George Knapp is... um, He is a very respected journalist. He... um, He's uh, he's not the anchor, but he's a major fixture of KLAS in Nevada, in Las Vegas. He's he's a news guy, yeah, an Emmy award winning news guy. He's done several things um, that he's had national acclaim for, but the big one is this one because he is the first one that actually comes out on national TV or or syndicated TV where it gets streamed all over and it becomes CNN um, MS you know anywhere it can be put on the news it's on the news that there's a place called area 51 in the middle of the desert this is the first time that it's like public knowledge that there is a base called area 51 now, the United States government didn't even say anything about this until 2013, but this is 1990 when he does this. And he says he does this because he was afraid for his life. Yeah. And he does it first. He does his first interview blacked out. And he uses this, the name Dennis. Well, I guess Dennis yeah. was his boss. His boss, of course, sees this, flips his lid. And is like, you have any idea what they're going to do to you? So he decides, well, I might as well... <laughs> Turn the lights on. <laughs> right, so he turns the lights on, says who he is. He says, I'm Bob Lazar. And he proceeds to give, I believe it's five different interviews. Yeah. They're long, too. Yeah, he was trying to get everything out, so that, it, you know, either... People were going to be like, he's so crazy that there's no way this is true. And they would back off or he was so well recognized that they wouldn't be able to do anything to him. If they did, everybody would know what was up. And I highly recommend watching those interviews then and then watching the Joe Rogan one after because it's it's a pretty interesting story. Mm -hmm. And the way our government is, it seems like yeah that's how it happened right and he tells it so matter of fact yeah that like we said in the beginning he's either the biggest liar and the greatest actor that's ever lived or or yeah this happened to him so as he said there's a lot of things with this spaceship that they don't understand yeah yeah and he's it's kind of crazy yeah he says the biggest issue that he had is, yeah, okay, this is an alien spaceship. 
It has three levels. And he said, you know, when he got to go, so he wasn't able to go up. He wasn't allowed to go up into the top level, but he had to go into the second level to look underneath at the generator of the third level at the bottom. And he said a lot of people say to him, well, that must have been a very exciting time in your life. And he said, actually, it's a very ominous feeling and you feel like you shouldn't be there. And he said everything inside the ship was like one injection mold. There was yeah, all these. Yeah, kind of put it like, it like everything melted. Right. It was all rounded. It was just there a was little no, bit. Right. And that the way there's no controls or levers or buttons. Yeah. That it runs off of like a telekinesis. You put your hands on it and... Yeah, he said it was real basic, just some seats and, you know, and, and... Right. And the seats were very small, made for somebody that would be a child. Yeah, and he's, size. Yeah. He says the code name they have for them is the kids. Yeah. So, his, his assertion was that the... Yes, okay, fine, there's aliens. And he's like, yeah, okay, that's that's one. He's like, but once you start working on something like this, it's just like, okay, you, you know, you kind of, this is what we're doing, you're working on it. You kind of lose that part of it, and you kind of are trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Mm-hmm. And he said that the, the, the biggest thing is the disservice, that this thing could change everything um, about our civilization as far as like there'd be no more poverty there'd be no more people starving there'd be sure. uh, like really every, like there'd be no massive use of fossil fuels there'd be like all this stuff could be changed just by using the technology that's in this craft in this craft that runs this and creates this gravitational field that allows the ability for the ship to fall downhill the way he says it does it's called element 115 so element 115 uh, at the time and he says this is isn't able to be made on earth and it, it ends up okay so some russians and american scientists have made it it's called moscovium um, right. It's happened a couple times, right? And they've only made like nanograms of it. Yeah, and it and it disappeared. I mean, it only was there for milliseconds, like less than a blink of an eye. I mean, right, right. And he so he says, but apparently the United States has five hundred pounds of this, and he said he has no idea how they got it because again, he's he's only given a certain part of this right so that's what powers is the reactors the the alien reactors that they have it powers it so they when they pull it out they they figured out how to pull it out and put it back in to to turn it on because it was one of the things when he first walked in and they showed him the reactor the guy that he was working directly with um turned it on and told him to try and touch it right and he could he couldn't touch it he it no matter what side he came from, it was like um, two magnets when you try and put two two magnets together and they push apart. Right. It's exactly what it is. He said it, it, 
it's like this this invisible force that keeps you from touching it. Yep. So he said the United States is in possession of roughly 500 pounds, and that's what he was told. And when they asked him how much does it take to run one of these, he said, "I have no idea, but I, you know, not a lot, not 500 pounds." Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I, he said, "I would be guessing." This uh, the, the there was a distinction made about the the element 115 that was created in a massive particle accelerator that only lasted for these nanoseconds, mm-hmm. but it it's it only lasted that long because it was unstable. This this form of element 115, however, is um, is stable. That's in the ship, so exactly it doesn't go anywhere. It's not it's not disappearing. In one of his videos, he actually shows you how they machined it, mm-hmm. and they machined it into a cone somehow. And I don't know how he knows that, but he seems to know that. He also seems to know that there was at that time, and this is really interesting because this is this is sort of the height of the Cold War, or right towards the end of the Cold War. There was like a joint venture with the Russians mm-hmm. to sort of figure this out, and the aliens, the Russians, and the the Americans were all working together. As sort of like a uh, exchange of information, and when they had this meeting, the Americans, in true American fashion, refused to leave their sidearms. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's right. It's America, goddamn it. <laughs> so apparently, this caused a problem with the aliens. They're like, "No, you don't get it. Like, they're gonna go off because they're metal." And that, that's what was conveyed to them. <laughs> it, it is, this sounds crazy, I know. But that was what was conveyed to them um, telepathically. And mm. they refused to get rid of them. And somehow there was an explosion. And all the Russians, all the Americans had head wounds and died. And that was it. And that was the end of that project. And the Russians were kicked out of the project. And it just became an American project after that. But he goes on the news and he spills the beans about Area 51. And for the first time, everybody knows about Area 51. And that is the backstory of Bob Lazar. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So why would it be a big deal that somebody says they worked on a UFO 
and didn't. <laughs> Why would it be a big deal if somebody says they worked on a UFO? Well, they're going to look at your schooling. They're going to look at all your credentials. Yep. They're going to pick you apart. Yeah, right? they're going to. They're going to. Yeah, they're going to. Uh, might as well start calling yourself search warrant. And get, <laughs> well, imme- get immediately, immediately, there's no record of him at MIT. There's yep. no record of him at Caltech. Right. Pacifica University was closed because they were selling degrees. <laughs> Nobody at Los, Los Alamos knew who he was. Yeah. Um, where he said he went to Pierce College. There's no record of him there. There's no record of him at his high school. Even though they finally do get that, he graduates at the bottom half of his class. That doesn't help him. They can't even find his birth certificate. So they know where he's born. They ended up finding that. And his explanation for this is he's being erased. Right. So, which, which was a which was a, another thing where he, he was he had told a story that he was going to MIT in secret because the project that he was going to be working on was like pretty bad like if people heard it they would be it would be pretty bad so he's kept that under wraps I don't he doesn't he's, he's confided in a few people the truth of that or whatever and a lot of people have bought it some credible people have bought what he said off camera because he's, he won't say on camera what it was okay now I'm not going to say this because it's not pertinent to the story However, <laughs> there is an alternate explanation about Joseph Stalin and Roswell, and it had to do with technology that he picked up in Germany, and he knew the United States was further along in nuclear development than they were, so he was trying to scare them. Mm-hmm. I'll, let, I'll let the audience look, look that up. I'll let you look that up. It's really terrible. Like, what 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 the explanation is for Roswell? Yeah, is fucking horrible. Right. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's really, really bad. It has to deal with like complete, complete and utter disrespect for life. Um, lack of any kind of moral being. And if that is what we are fighting, then down with communism. Fuck those guys. Because <laughs> like, it's it's really a terrible thing what he did. And the reason he did it is he wanted the United States to know that he could reach us. Yeah. And God damn it. That it's almost like that almost makes more sense than the alien thing. But anyway, we're not going to get into that. We're going to keep going on Bob Lazar. We're going to keep. We're going to keep the conspiracy alive and why, right. why people hate Bob Lazar, and the people that do. The first of all, he doesn't have the education. They're like, fuck that. That guy. There's no way that guy gets to work on black projects 
that are funded, you know, in bills for highways where it's like, okay, we need 300 million for this highway 60 to run from, you know, St. Louis to Des Moines. And oh yeah, we need uh, $5.7 billion in (laughs) R&D. And it's just just like tucked Mm -hmm. in there. Right. And that's how all of these projects are funded. They're all funded under the guise of another bill. Yeah, sure. And no way somebody like Bob Lazar gets right. Yeah, I mean, there's you can you can feel it's almost like you can feel the jealousy in the air with these dorks. Definitely, and they're they're, you know, they're all like, it's, it's they're definitely not the guy. a lie. Me, agreed. Um, now, some people might say, "Well, he's ideal for this situation." Mm-hmm. Um, he's somebody that has zero influence. And he really doesn't. When you hear him talk, yeah, he's not influenced by what other people think, not only about him, but about science in general. He has like an understanding of science the way, the way like, I don't know, like a gamer understands a game or a football coach understands a defense. Looks at it like that. It's very analytical. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was a football coach. He could analyze defenses like nobody else. He could say, well, this guy does this and that makes this guy do this and you're covering that guy. And he had a very analytical mind for it. He was in the military. He applied those principles to that. And, you know, that Bob Lazar sort of has this same thing. He has a certain knack for like dicking around with science. Like that is what he does. To this day, he owns... A United Nuclear, which he has every element ever <laughs> in these in these like charts. People sell him stuff. He sells stuff, and that's what's getting into the next part of the conspiracy. He's constantly in trouble with the law. He's been bankrupt. He had when he was bankrupt, he bought a brothel. Mm-hmm. And that brothel was so successful, it pulled him out of bankruptcy. And when it pulled him out of bankruptcy, he set up this uh, security system for them. And he did it in a neighborhood, not a designated brothel. Um, it was sort of an off-the-books brothel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that landed him a pandering charge because they thought it was, you know... A, a way for him to set up blackmail for clients that came into this subdivision. He ends up taking a felony for that. He gets 150 hours community service. He then um, does his time, but he he's having constant. He's a he's a guy who was once inside a UFO, <laughs> and he's now picking up garbage on a Vegas freeway. Right. Right. They ruined him. And, you know, with his education, he says that he's erased. He says that his records were taken and and it's not looking good. It's not looking good at all. But then George Knapp, being the journalist and Emmy winning journalist that he is, uh, does his homework. He goes and he finds a, a telephone book 
And who's in the telephone book? <laughs> Robert Lazar. And he works for this company that isn't part of Los Alamos, but they are a company that's contracted with Los Alamos. And Los Alamos Laboratories, that's how they work. They have these giant projects and, you know, it's it's sort of the way all defense works now. Like, you know, Ford doesn't make tanks, right? Yeah. But they make engine parts for tanks. Yeah. And that engine part goes with that and they'll send a guy to wherever. You know, they wherever they develop, whether it's in Virginia or Nevada, they'll send a guy there and he's like the head engineer and he makes sure that, well, all the specs work with other parts that are going to work and make it work. Right. So they have like a collaborative effort and Bob ends up in a telephone book, a very obscure telephone book that George Knapp finds. And this sort of lends him credibility, but he gets arrested for this pandering charge. He has a bankruptcy. He ends up later um, getting busted selling some kind of illegal element. <laughs> and doesn't sound know. good. No, no. <laughs> In one of his interviews, he said that he smuggled some uh, the 115 out of out of Area 51. Um, and he kind of credits this whole, you know, constant surveillance is that they're trying to find that he has this element 115. Even in this thing with Joe Rogan, he goes on it. There's a filmmaker named Jeremy Corbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Corbell makes a documentary that's on Netflix. It's, it's really good. But he gets raided the second that they start interviewing him he gets raided he mm -hmm. has moved around he's been married a bunch of times you know well everybody he, he tried to interview for the documentary when they were rounding people up to give credibility to Bob Lazar's story started getting harassed and followed and that's what he said the first thing they do is they start auditing you mm -hmm. they start they start messing with your life and I can tell you, the government can mess with their life. Yeah, and they can prove that this happened to these people. So the fact that that, that started lending credibility to a story when you make people nervous. The other thing he says, you know, I'm just a simple guy. Yeah. It, there was, a, there was a, um, a character on SNL. It was Phil Hartman, and he was a caveman, but he was a lawyer. <laughs> and he, his his whole thing when he was getting his clients off he would be like when I walk into my country club and I see myself on the surveillance camera I think is that machine invading my soul <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I'm just an unfrozen caveman lawyer your modern ways confuse me <laughs> what, I, what I do now is that my client is innocent and he's got this like Cro-Magnon head. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's what I that's kind of what I feel like with with Bob. He uh he is one of these guys that he's like, I don't I don't want publicity. Yeah. 
but yet he's done a shitload of interviews. Yeah. He's constantly uh, on the UFO circuit. Although, although from about 2000 to 2018, he sort of kept a low profile. Yeah. Every once in a while, George Knapp would hit him up. Uh, every once in a while, he would do a two, three minute interview. Um, but there for a while, he was kind of like the star of the UFO community. He's somebody that put Area 51 on the map. Okay, Area 51 was not a thing. I, I, I remember I used to buy the Weekly World News. It was my favorite newspaper. I would read about Bat Boy and all <laughs> kinds of kind <laughs> messed up stories. And I remember reading one about Area 51. And it said, this is, this is, in, I was in high school. I used to buy it when I was in high school. So um, it's probably when I started writing. So I would buy it for like far out ideas. So what I figured out with that paper was that and now now this is going to piss a bunch of people off there's about as much truth in that paper as there is in Time or Newsweek or the New York Times it's a spin right so they take like a first hand account they always have a first hand account and they spin the first hand account and that's that's kind of why, even to this day, I don't watch the news at all. I don't, I don't care. Because mm-hmm. um, I know I'm getting spun. And it's you have too many storytellers. You have too many. Like, I'm pretty creative. You have, you know, I'm not even. Okay. I'm pretty creative, but I'm not the best by any means. I'm decent. I'm not even great or good. I'm decent. You have a bunch of excellent storytellers, Spielbergs, things like that. Right. You can do whatever you want. You can tell the masses however you want them mm-hmm. to hear a story, to hear a story that way. So when I was reading area when I was reading the Weekly World News about Area 51, they said, yeah, there's aliens, but they're really working on time travel and what they think is that aliens are actually us from they're us in the future they're like an evolution of what we've become and they are here they've always been here they've been here through this whole time and they've actually altered our dna along the way to let us progress to become more efficient beings (laughs) right and this is something Bob Lazar said. He actually said this in his briefings. And this is before the Weekly World News. And this is before, right? This is before all that. Mm-hmm. He said, well, you know, aliens have been involved in our evolution. That they had altered our genetic sequence. I forget, something like 65 times over 10,000 years. Right. To bring us to what we are right now. And... Uh, he didn't really have a reasoning of why that was, but that's just a fact that he kind of like threw out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's constantly 
harassed by the scientific community. Yeah. And you said it just before. It's like you could hear the jealousy and you can. Yeah. And they're like, why not me? Why would why would they pick Bob Lazar? And why why would you take somebody that yeah, great, you put a rocket engine on a Honda. All right, you're awesome. Yeah. All right, here. But but I've I have, you know, a master and I like I teach physics at MIT. I got a real degree, dick. <laughs> and the only thing I can say of that is that Edward Snowden mm-hmm. didn't graduate high school. Yeah. He really did. A lot of people don't understand that. He didn't graduate fucking high school. Right. Okay. And his his trip was he knew computers. He wasn't really even a computer programmer. What yeah. he understood was networking computers, which is a whole that's a whole thing, man. If you're somebody that can understand, you can think it's like playing chess. If you can think several steps ahead, that is such a valuable commodity. That mm-hmm. is that it, there's very few people that can do that. And you really don't need book smarts to do that. You just need a knowledge of systems to mm-hmm. do that. So you need to know what's out there, how you can connect and interface everything. And, you know... I think you I, need glasses, too. You have to. You have to have glasses. You gotta have glasses. You gotta, you gotta push them up on your nose when you're saying important <laughs> shit. But he was hired. Mm-hmm. And now, I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say something to you about him being hired. He was hired. He was brought into the NSA because he was hired by this lady to network the computers at her house. And she said... Wow, you have a really like good understanding of like networking computers, and he's like, "Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's what I do. I set up systems for people, right?" Right now, shut and, up, I'm uh, busy. She's like, uh, "I want you to talk to my husband." He talks to his husband, her husband. He's like, "Hey, can you do this?" So he gives him this small project. He does it like no time. So her husband starts giving him bigger and bigger and bigger projects. Well, okay. He gets a project where he has access to everything. Yep. yep. <laughs> right? And that that is why Edward All Snowden <laughs> is on the run is because that's why he's in Russia. It's because he yep. was given access to these extremely fragile files. And what I mean by that is like the basic strength of our country. We're based on these stupid computer files that, God damn it, man, when you're breaking the law and you're ruining your constitution, why do you put it in the memo? Yeah. Why do you have to, why do you have to type that out? Thank God they all put emails and memos out. It's the dumbest thing ever. And it's Hillary Clinton. It's the Bushes. It's, you know, it's especially Bushes. Like yeah. the whole Patriot Act designed by George <clears throat> Bush. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, this, and this is what I always say. Yeah, everybody thinks Republican, Democrat. None of them care about you. Because right. Bush and Cheney and that whole cabinet designed the Patriot Act. Right? But they had... Mm-hmm. Help from like John Kerry, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton to to craft this thing in a way because you need a lawyer 
to craft it a certain way, right? Right. So that you're able to look at everybody's email and you're mm-hmm. able to you're able to listen to conversations. Right. And you know, so what Snowden found out was oh, they don't just listen to you if they have a warrant. They'll turn on your camera. They turn on your camera and look at your house. Right. They turn on your camera, look at your house, read your emails, listen to your phone calls for keywords yep. that may be detrimental to national security. Yep. I worked for a software company and I had no business working for a software company. I, <laughs> I was a bartender. And I used to take care of these Aussie guys and we became like really tight and, uh, our restaurant was closing. The guy that owned our restaurant, he sold the building, the entertainment building. And he was, he was like, uh, he was just a, a rich developer guy, but it, it, him and his wife were ready to retire. Mr. I'll probably cut that out. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so they were ready to move on and I got hot. They said, what are you going to do, mate? And I said, well, yeah, I got, I got a few things I'm working on and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, come work for us. I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know shit about software. And I'm like, ah. like, mate, I didn't get a college for software. It was the first time I realized like, oh man, shit. Like, yeah, there's like innovators and then there's people that learn and then there's people that study in school and do it. There's there's all kinds of ways to do it. But like, you know, Bill Gates, Jobs, Zuckerberg, like none of those guys have degrees. <laughs> right. Like none of them do. Yeah. And part of the reason is because they're they're too smart for the program. I was not that guy. But these guys were. They developed a way. His thing was his dad was an engineer. And his dad worked at a radio station. So in Australia, they would put these towers up on the mountains, right? Well, during their winter, they would freeze up. The transmitters would freeze up and they'd have a bad signal. Well, that's terrible for like advertising, right? Yeah. Because you can't reach as many people. You can't charge as much money you lose millions of dollars. So they would send these engineers up in a truck. They would drive to the top of the mountain. They'd go up there, spray some de-icer on the transmitter, walkie-talkie down to the guy that would have, like, the signal, and he would do, like, the most powerful thing. So this guy invented a way to have a de-icing sprayer spray the transmitter <laughs> with, with de-icer. Right. It would free up the transmitter and it would move it to the ideal spot. Well, dude, that made him hundreds of millions of dollars, right? right. <laughs> so I'm I'm doing that. They're they're <laughs> trying to they're teaching me like computer programming, things like that. Okay. I can grasp it as a concept, but like to be able to do it is a whole other thing, but I, I did sales, so I just had to. I just had to have the concept. I didn't have to technically know how to do any of this. Yeah. Um, but quickly, I learned 
how to build a computer, how to program a computer, how to how to write basic software. And the first thing I learned, <laughs> the very first thing I learned was that if you have the right software, you can hack any transmission in the United States. And so I learned what Qualcomm was. Qualcomm, the, what keeps that at bay is that Qualcomm, so San Diego, the Chargers, they used to play at Qualcomm Stadium. And like nobody knows what Qualcomm does. Qualcomm owns the air. They own all of yeah. it. Right? So they rent it to DirecTV. They rent it to Time Warner. They rent it to all these people. And then you rent it from DirecTV. They pay, you know, it's like a whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I get sent down because they were using our stuff. I get sent down to Qualcomm and I go in there and I have this slip and it's a slip that runs like a a program to keep track of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive because he had like, there was this room. And it had, I don't, dude, I don't know, thousands of of these slip computers. They were like, if you make your hand into a sandwich <laughs> like, <laughs> and you put it like three feet apart, each each one, that yeah. like that's what it looked. It's that big. They're they're called slips. They slip into these racks, and it was just as far as you could see. Yeah. rows and rows and rows when it was all keeping track of all that stuff right yeah he's like well you want to see something that's cool come in here and dude we go into this room and it's like the end of the world dr evil it was like 400 flat screens on a wall and there was like a master chair like captain kirk and he was watching every channel that they had out that Qualcomm was monitoring, right? So there was like an HBO feed. There was an HBO Latino feed. There was ESPN, one, two, three. Yeah. Right. right. Every, every channel that there was yeah. was on a computer screen and then there was like designated engineers that were just making sure that they were running optimal viewership so like the the most amount of people could be seen would be seeing it it was amazing and i just thought wow man (laughs) (laughs) you could put a back door in that and you could broadcast to all southwest united states and hack it and and tv's been hacked a bunch of times Mm -hmm. so bob lazar snowden that's plausible to me. Yeah. That, that 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 seems like honestly, you almost want somebody like that, not somebody like Stanton Friedman. You know, you you we want somebody like Bob Lazar because you could destroy Bob Lazar. Yeah. You can't destroy Stanton Friedman. Yeah. All right, so there we are with the conspiracy. Let's uh let's move on and see what we think. Okay.
If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, I can go first because I think you can get more in depth than I can. I had a loose belief here, and um, okay. but I, I did see a couple things that that kind of swayed me. I, I um, there's a, there there is a lot of back and forth about you know the different things, and especially like him not not working at Los Alamos. They were saying that he didn't work at Los Alamos as a physician before a physicist before getting called down to uh, S4, which is an Area 51. Um, but there was a man named Jeremy Corbel. He did some uh, did some sleuthing and he, and, he, and he found an interview with a physicist named Robert Krangle. And is this a, is this an old guy with gray hair? Yeah, and Krangle remembers seeing Bob Lazar at a briefing in Los Alamos. And okay. he said he's seen him around the facility as well. Now, he never really talked to him and um, never like really sat down and talked to him, but he recognized him and he said, yeah, he said this guy was a physicist. Now, he has no proof of this other than his description of him. He said he looked like a physicist. <laughs> Which, hey man, he does. He said he looked like a physicist. He had the pocket condom and everything is what he called it. The, for his for his, he, pens. For his pens, yeah. <laughs> so that's really but funny. um but but no, and he said he even said that there was conversations that would, you know, the talk when you're you're talking with your coworkers and they'd say, Oh yeah, be so and so Bob over there, there he is. He worked on that project, blah, blah, blah. So he had seen him, heard about him. So he basically verified that Bob Lazar did work at Los Alamos. And even um, Stanton Friedman was asked about it. There's another, there was another guy, Dr. Davis, that, that didn't believe the story at all of Bob Lazar. And both of them had to kind of begrudgingly agree that, yeah, he was at Los Alamos. And now there's also this underlying weird story about Bob Lazar being asked to, to, to study at MIT in secret um, to work on a project that he couldn't talk about and he doesn't talk about in public. And that that's why he doesn't show his credentials at MIT don't show up because he did all this um, under a veil. Now, there he is. He has talked about this off camera with some people that are pretty credible people that 
believe what he says because of the way he tells the story about him actually going to MIT and Caltech and why he was there and the reasons why it's not on record. And they they bought they pretty much bought the story like that's very plausible. Not bought it, but said that that makes it make a lot more sense. I don't know what that story is, but when you hear a couple of these people say they believe it, then I'm going to kind of lean towards their word and kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, so, so it's possible that he actually did train at MIT, but then it's again, like you were alluding to, it might not always been necessarily necessary. So the thing about Bob Lazar is that he is so, um, polarizing. Yeah. Well, you don't. You don't get this feeling from him, like, and he said it several times, like, I'm not doing this for the publicity. And, and as far as I know, off his story, um, might be different with the documentary that came out, but, but with his story, he really never made money off of it. It wasn't like he was getting rich off. I, I make movies. Documentaries do not make money, but God. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So it wasn't like, telling this story and it's brought him nothing but grief grief and nightmares and it's and it's constant it's non-stop and you get it when you start hearing him talk on some of these interviews you you feel like he's just like this sometimes like he's just a beat man like they they got to him you know what i mean so and the the fact that there's when they were trying to do the documentary there were so many people getting hounded and and followed and questioned and audited and it 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 makes you think he made somebody nervous you know be different if nobody reacted to it but people reacted to it you well know? it's a national security thing for sure sure because and, like you, like whereas some people are like aliens you know somebody like me i'm like that's pretty scary like mm-hmm. why are we fighting anybody all right, why are we fighting right. each other? God yeah. damn it, man! There's because there's aliens, right? <laughs> so there's that, and then there's also the um, the like George Knapp. I haven't spent so much time with him. He's a very credible person. Um, he's pretty much backed him on this, and then there's a couple other things to give credence to his backstory and stuff. There was, there was like a interview done where there was a witness. Uh, it was an old friend of his that said he used to drop him at Caltech. He used to give him a ride there and drop Just him off. Simple shit like that, right? Right. And then, and then there's a, there's a, another buddy of his that says, I know Bob Lazar before any of this shit happened. And he didn't believe in fucking aliens. Well, he says that he said he was never really an alien guy. Yeah, there's somebody out there that's an old friend of his that confirms that, and that when he told him the story, he believes him a hundred percent when he told him his story. Okay, so it, it's there's a lot of people that you know, and then, like you like you said, when you sit and listen to him talk, the guy doesn't it, it, his story hasn't changed. It's been the same the whole time. You know, it's 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 hard for him to remember specific dates and stuff like that. But who who doesn't find that shit hard? I mean, that's a long time ago. 
to try and separate one day for the next and you'll get confused and your story's going to get muddled because you're going to be oh wait wait i forgot this part you know so that's going to happen so i don't i don't write it off when he does that like oh see he's faking it because he can't remember blah blah blah. that doesn't hold a lot of weight for me so i believe that bob lazar believes what he's saying (laughs) that's very that's a very lawyerly answer right that's my what do you believe now you won't hurt my feelings and we have to be brutally honest right i i i need more you know i just i i need more i'm a kind of like i gotta put my hands on it and smell it and taste and touch it kind of guy so until that that happens right now he's just got a lot of credibility with me as far as that it's very possible that he's telling the truth and that i do believe he believes what he's saying is true whether it was them giving him misinformation and this is technology that they had already developed and they just needed the next batch of people to work on it or you know because there's there's something to giving somebody misinformation when they're working on something top secret because if you give them a little piece of misinformation and you keep it in that little piece of misinformation and, and in one compartment and you compartmentalize everything, if that little piece of information comes out, you know exactly where it came from. It's like leaving a breadcrumb trail. And he even said that. Yeah. So he said he believed that he believed that a lot of the stuff that he read in the debriefing was a way to track him in case he ever went public. Yeah, and, and then like what I'm my, what, what I'm alluding to is that maybe that was a it was greater than even he realized that maybe maybe they were saying this is all aliens and and they came from this star system and it's just a way to find out if he's telling people because it's really technology right. that they developed. I'm thinking that that's also a possibility. So, but now he said because he's he, this is the part that I think for. Can like for the the alien buffs and stuff, they're gonna say that that this is a part that they they appreciated. Where he said at one point he was in that hangar and all the side doors were open and there was actually like nine different UFOs. Well, he actually names them. Yes, he has a name for each one of them. Right. So, to me though, that says it's like Iron Man. You know, it's like yeah. A, you got the suit number 42, 57, 108. <laughs> right. So to me, that could be that it, it doesn't necessarily say, look, there's all these aliens and they're all from different places or whatever. That to me could say, hey, here's project one, project two. This one didn't fucking work. We moved on to project seven. You know, it could just as easily be that, you know, and and the only reason that we even think of aliens, we think of saucers and all that stuff is because we secretly put it in people's fucking heads on accident. You know, that yeah. somebody caught, caught a glimpse of our, our tests and, and it had nothing never once came from outer space. It was all us. And we put the, we started the conspiracy on accident, but that's, that's also, you know, just as loose as, believe in Bob Lazar saw everything he saw and it was true you know like you, you I think you've in that explanation you said it like 
you believe that Bob Lazar believes what he saw. Right. Okay. That is an incredible statement because what did he see? Did he see an extraterrestrial craft? Or, like you said, did he see some development of a technology that they don't understand? Mm -hmm. And... You know, the Germans were working on some pretty advanced stuff at the end of World War II. They had jet engines. They were working on the atomic bomb. And they were working on anti-gravity, this thing called the Bell. And it was believed that they had somehow figured out anti-gravity in World War II. Mm -hmm. And they didn't get time to develop it before the war ended. And we found it. Right. So... You know, I named E.G. and G, you know, the Italian firm. Right. <laughs> I mean, but it's all German. But, like, the point is, like, all of our great physicists, all of our great scientists, We're are Ger- they're Germans. They are. <laughs> and if they're not... If they <laughs> they were all Nazis, Nazis, man. Okay, well, they weren't necessarily <laughs> Nazi sympathizers, but they were German. hmm I mean, and if you've ever driven a German car... That's great engineering, right? <laughs> right. So yeah, maybe they have a technology they don't understand. Sure. And you know what is? It? And you said it. What it? He he believes what he believes that he was working on. They could have built something that they thought was foolproof, and they needed somebody to see if they could reverse engineer it if it ever fell on enemy hands. And they were just test subject to see if it could be reverse engineered, and they failed at it. That's and totally it's possible. So, so it's a successful project. But they just told him all this bullshit so that they could try and fucking tear one apart. Apparently, according to Bob Lazar, some genius tried to cut into one of them. With the photon torch. Yeah, and then and, and <laughs> blew himself up. Watch this. Yeah, let's <laughs> hold my beer. I'm gonna fucking torch this fucker open. You want to know answers? I'll get it. It's Cletus from The Simpsons. <laughs> I got this, man. <laughs> but that's All my right. take on it. That's my so take. so. Okay, so so what what is your take? So my did take? Bob Lazar? The question is, I'm giving you the question. Did Bob Lazar? One is he truthful, and two did he work on an alien aircraft? Um. Yes, and possibly yes, but probably no. For the second okay. part, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that because I I think that's that's a really good take on it. Because you're right. How do you say that he necessarily worked on an alien spacecraft? First of all, he's compartmentalized. He's only given limited information. Mm-hmm. He, we just said the Germans had this some kind of technology they were working on called the Bell, mm-hmm. which a lot of people think is an anti gravity machine. Right. He, we also know that the Red Skull had the Tesseract. What is the Tesseract? <laughs> <laughs> is this oh, that was a Captain America joke? I sorry. thought you're okay. Okay, see, I can't get into this, but okay. 
I've seen Iron Man. Okay, so this is it was it was from uh, you know Nazi technology going over to. Uh, okay, well, you know what? Let's let's go with Nazis real quick. I'm going to say this real quick about Nazis. There's no proof that the Hitler died. <laughs> the, right. No, I, I mean I mean that sincerely. Yes. The Russians were the actual people that have Hitler's body in quotation marks. It was of course burned beyond all recognition. Um yeah. they it, the actual skull that they had that they produced 45 years later was a woman. There's no proof that he died. There's actually more proof that he was alive and ended up living out the rest of his life as a priest in Ecuador because he fled to Argentina where there's a giant group of Nazis called Colonial Dignidad (laughs) and they (laughs) all live there to this day. There's also the dark side of the moon. There's also the dark side of the moon (laughs) where... There's theories that they made it there and they've been developing a civilization there ever since. And there's also um, Antarctica, where they the Nazis were big in Antarctica. Yeah, They wanted to go there and, and do that. They wanted to set up uh, a Fourth Reich. And the bigger conspiracy wouldn't be that there's aliens, but that there's this fourth right now I wasn't going to say this and I may end up cutting it but this is another thing with Joe Rogan he had another person on and he said that Joseph Stalin used people with developmental disabilities and they were kids and they put them in flying saucers Mm mm-hmm and crash landed in the United States <laughs> and made them look like they genetically or no, they used cosmetic surgery to alter them. And they actually had like hydrocephaly, like um, big heads because mm-hmm. their brain. And um, they crash landed them into the United States to make it look like they were aliens. Right. God damn it, right? Right. Okay. You piece of shit. <laughs> you fucking asshole. So I'm gonna I'm gonna act like that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I, let's I, all act I, like that didn't happen. We, we should all hope that didn't happen. All right. I'm gonna go with his story. I'm just gonna go with what he said and what he was given. I think if somebody had that technology. We would be way conquered by now. Yeah. I think that probably what we are is an anthill and that we're being watched. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. And like, I know that people say, well, you can just step on an anthill. Yeah. You can also observe one. You know? Right. And with maybe a, with we, a magnifying glass. Well, maybe we have been. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that's already happened. You know, I I do believe what he worked on was some crazy technology. One of my problems with Bob Lazar as somebody that gives a first-hand account 
is that it's been 30 years, man, and he's right on. Yeah. There's not one thing that he's wrong about. Like 115. Yeah. Um, he He's even like the way that they fly. There's videos of UFOs and how they fly. They literally are horizontal. They, they go belly up and they go forward. Um, I'm super skeptical of the release of UFO information going on now with the U.S. government because I feel like that's <laughs> something else. But, like, it, it's nothing contradicting to him. Yeah, I, no. do, I do think the, the government will set out to destroy you. They, they do it with people all the time. Yeah. They really do. They... They ruin people's lives all the time if it doesn't fit into, you know, their status quo and what they want. Then, yeah, man, you're out. And if you're somebody that's that messed up some funding, yeah, yeah, you cost a bunch of people billions of dollars because you know what? They had a good thing going at Area 51 and S4, and you know they developed several, several different. Well, stealth technology was developed there. The Blackbird yep. was developed there. You got all these super Area 52, I believe it was called, where the stealth stuff was done. Okay. So on top of that, they have all this subterranean stuff that's going on out there. So, like, yeah, there's this above-the-ground stuff, but there's also, like, all these first-hand accounts of people that says there's, there's 50 stories underground. And there's a whole network of tunnels and bases and enough room for like 2 million people between, you know, the Southwest United States. And the only thing I can say about that is that you drive out there and man, there is nothing. It is wily Coyote for as far as you can see. And, you know, Area 51, that base alone is the size of like Rhode Island. It's as big as a state, you know? Yeah. It's so much land. And part of the reason that, you know, you can't go there is it's contaminated. It has, they've been testing stuff there. They've had crashes there. There's a Nevada Triangle. There's a Nevada Triangle of a bunch of test flights that went on there. And they did a lot of nuclear testing underground. Tons of nuclear testing underground. You also have Roswell's relatively close in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he was somebody that knew what was going on. He knew exactly where science was at that point. He was somebody that was hip with the times. Um, He's dorky. And I mean that in the most (laughs) loving way. He's a guy that just loves science, right? Right. He's somebody that's obsessed with it. And he's somebody that like knows everything about it. He, he, he knows what's, what's the latest thing. He knows what's out there. And you know, that's what I think with computer programmer guys. 
they don't hold that shit back. You put it out there, so you're a rock star, <laughs> right? So he knows when he's working on a craft that yeah, man, this doesn't exist. This is not out there. Not only is this not out there, this is several thousand years ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And you know, this latest thing freaked with, him out. It really did. Uh, it really did. That that part was it messed believable. Him up. Yeah, because he 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 but he like talked about how it was kind of like if you took like a you know a nuclear reactor and you put it back in the old day Victorian period. Now they would try and explore it, and they would t- start taking it apart to figure out what it was and how it worked, and then they'd all radiate themselves and all die. And it, he also gave the thing is if you dropped the motorcycle off in the yeah. middle in the mid middle ages, right? So yeah, you you could ride it, you'd figure out how to start it, you could ride it. Eventually, somebody's but, gonna turn the key, is what he said. Eventually, he's gonna, somebody's but, gonna turn his key, and the motorcycle's gonna start. But like, when it runs out of gas, you're fucked. Yeah. Or it breaks down, or right, yeah. and that is very simply put. And then I also, you know, from a scientist standpoint, I I really believed him that he was pissed at our approach to it. Yeah, you know, because he's like, how how do you expect? Because he, what he said is, you know, they they work on it and then they shelve it for a while because technology kind of hasn't caught up. And he's like, how do you expect? To, he's like, oh, so frustrated because he's like, how do you expect to get anything done that way when you have no collaborative of ideas? Yeah. Like, you need to have all these people. And he's like, he's like, even like somebody like me that understands like certain things, I, I can't come in and fix like a whole thing like this. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I was there, like, what was he there? Like, a total of, it wasn't long. It no, was like, it was only a couple years. Yeah. Well, I, mean, and, I don't even it, think it was two years. It was, And it wasn't that, it wasn't like a solid two years. It was no. like sporadically, you know, he would go for two days, three days, you know, at less than a month, let's say, over like two years where he would go in, he would get, you know, six, seven days to work on it. How, dude, you can't figure that out. That, the only like, way he got on the ship in in the first place was he was they were they were working on the reactor because he was propulsion and 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 power. So he he was trying to figure out how this reactor worked, but they thought maybe that where it mounted in the ship was um, would would give them some clues. So that's how they got the authority to go onto the ship and check where the reactor was mounted so that they could see, you know, kind of piece together how it worked. He calls and, 115. He calls it. He's like, yeah. there's 115, apparently, and not only 115, he said, apparently, there's like a, they call it an island of stability at 254. Mm-hmm. So, like, and, <laughs> again, <laughs> I am not a physicist. I am right. not a chemist. But apparently, at element two fifty four, there is like this island of stability that he talks about, um, and one fifteen was generated. He says, "Well, I mean, you know, eventually, I would have been right about that one." He's he he also admits when he's wrong about like certain things with 
you know, what he thought he experienced or what he actually experienced. So he's like, you know, at first I thought it was fact that I was reading these briefings and this is where this stuff's from. He's like, but then I came to realize, oh, this is like a tracker. Yeah. They're, they're trying to track me. And with and information, make sure, with information, so that if I ever come out, then I'm the one that like I'm yeah. the Zeta Reticuli guy, you know. That happens in real life. Whenever you tell like two friends and people find out, it's got to be one of those two people. Agreed, agreed. It's it's it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like the government's version of the telephone game. <laughs> no, really, it, it really is. Um, but then like there's the whole release from the government that's coming out right now where I don't know man they're just they're they're coming out for the first time and at first they said well either there are otherworldly phenomenon and then what they call them are unidentified aerial phenomenons UAPs instead Mm -hmm. of instead of UFOs there's un- either there's unide- unidentified aerial phenomenon or Russia and China are 500 to 1,000 years ahead of us. Right. And I just don't believe they are because there's well, so much money to be made. Well, no, the there's United countries States, have, I don't know if there's countries that have been stable long enough to do that. Well, I'll, t- I'll say this. We have the top economy in the world. Some of our cities rank higher than most countries. On top of that, we spend an incredible amount on military. It's exponentially more than the next closest nation. Because a lot of people think LA is all movies and yeah, that's what California is, but honestly, it's more agriculture, oil, computers. There's a giant education system. It's the fifth largest economy in the world. That doesn't include New York with the stock exchange or Texas with oil. I heard one time that we spend more on defense than any country in the history of the world. I don't know if that's true, but if you ever look at any kind of like bar graph, we're so much farther ahead in spending than the next person. I don't think anybody believes that another country is ahead of us because if you had that technology, it's like being the best player in China <laughs> in the NBA. And that was like, you know, Yao Ming, right? Right. And what did he do? Dude, I got to go to the NBA. Like, playing for the Shanghai Sharks is awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, he literally went to the government. Yeah, yeah. And he said, playing for the Shanghai Sharks is a dream come true. But, like, I can make four times the money going to the NBA. And China's like, cool, you owe us half. So, like, his contract with the Houston Rockets he had to pay them. He had to pay the country of China yeah. half of his money. He had to pay 15% to 
to his legacy, which is people like his parents, his in-laws, right? Mm-hmm. He had to pay like another 5% to his kids for like their well-being. And then he gets the pocket. All right. So if you're astrophysicist or, uh, you know, aerospace engineer, like, you're yeah. like that guy. You have to pay them, but you're going to the United States. Yeah. Because there's more money here, right? Well, in our lifetime, we watched the collapse of the that Soviet, you know, Soviet Union collapsed and and was rebuilt as as Russian state that it is now. And, and not long before that, uh, China, who all their people went to Taiwan and became Taiwan because the Communist Party came in and took over China, and that happened in like the fifties. So. They're, they've only Agreed. been they've only been and like realistically countries for short periods of time. I'm I'm huge on the abandoned. I love abandoned places. Love all, yes, all kinds of yes. stuff, right? Okay, but like there is an abandoned space project in Russia that they copied the shuttle. Yeah. Okay, if they're ahead of us, why are they copying the shuttle? Mm-hmm. They they wouldn't, right? Right thing I believe him I believe I believe that I, I kind of am with you I believe that whatever he saw he believes wholeheartedly that he was working on something otherworldly an extraterrestrial civilization that manufactures these crafts and those crafts that are in S4 that he was hired to work at to do reverse engineering. He did it. He knew where science was at the time. It probably was extraterrestrial because we're the only ones really with the capability to throw enough money at something like that. I think everybody probably should apologize to him because all (laughs) they've done is fuck with him. Yeah, all and he's, done, he's all, all, all his shit's come true. Right, and all, all his shit's come true. And all he's done is tried to help and tell us, like, hey, man, you know what the, the real crime? The, the real crime is they're not using this to further our civilization. Right. And until he's proven wrong, I'm, I'm saying that he's telling the truth, and this is plausible. It makes sense how the government works. I mean, they're going to compartmentalize you. They're going to keep you separate from everybody else. And this slow leak of information that's going on right now with all these UAP claims and things like that, I don't know. It makes sense. He was saying it almost 30 years ago. Okay. So you're saying that Bob Lazar... uh, Worked on an alien aircraft. Worked on an alien aircraft. Yes. Okay, and I'm saying that Bob Lazar believes he worked on an alien aircraft, and I'm not convinced that it was. But then, what is it? But that, but he definitely is telling the truth about about what he what, did. What about what he did? And I think that's I think that's a very smart way to say it. That is smart. But what is it though? Like it's not it, like you know if it isn't Russian or Chinese. 
could be ours. Like I said, it could be ours. They could they could have been guinea pigs to see if it was possible to reverse engineer it because we lost the stealth bomber. We did. So, and we we had satellite we images of that stealth bomber and satellite I mean, in- images of the tailpieces of that stealth bomber and in China. So we, we lost an atomic bomb. Yeah. In North, so, in North Carolina. So if, if, if that was the case and, and you knew that it happened, we had a history of this happening and, and our technology being stolen in that way, um, it would benefit you to get some guys that don't have real degrees and but can but well because they still know they have the, the knowledge right they have the knowledge but still but know the science you, and then have and that guy destroy them yeah and so you go hey see if you can figure out what this is and they already know what the fuck it is they built it that's what i'm saying is possible i'm not saying that's what it is i'm just saying that's no, what that's possible. actually that's actually a really good point i never really thought of it like that so it's all right I'm going to stick with aliens, but (laughs) I like your take a lot. I really do like your take a lot, but I'm going to take aliens. But either way, we're going to say Bob Lazar is telling the truth, right? Yep, I believe he is. Okay, well, there it is. All right. All right, then. Solved. (laughs) (laughs) Figured it all out. Got it done. (laughs) All right, well, I'm Anthony. I'm Brandon. And this is Everything That's Weird.